Welcome back to Mark's Gospel. We uh, had taken a, a break for a few weeks. We looked at Isaiah chapter 53 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we observed Holy Week. But now we're back to Mark's Gospel chapter 9. We had looked at the transfiguration uh, before we, we took our break. And we'll pick it up at that point with this week's podcast. Let's pray. Lord, open now my heart to hear, and through your word to me draw near. Let me your word, ere pure retain. Let me your child, and heir remain. Amen. From the glorious heights of the transfiguration, which we heard about last time, Jesus and his three disciples descend into the sad realities of life in this broken world. When Jesus and his three disciples returned, they found quite a commotion as his other nine disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law, and a crowd is gathered. We begin at verse 14. When they, that is Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? Jesus asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. The symptoms this boy suffers are similar to an epileptic seizure. Many today say that this young man suffered from epilepsy and that the superstitious people of Jesus' day just thought it was demon possession. Some go one step further and claim that since these people lacked the medical knowledge we have, they probably attributed a lot of physical ailments to demon possession. But that kind of thinking overlooks the fact that the text specifically says it was demon possession. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and God certainly knows the difference between epilepsy and demon possession. That thinking also overlooks the fact that here, as in most of the reported cases of demon possession in the Gospels, there's a confrontation between Jesus and a demon. Verse 19, Jesus replied, you unbelieving generation. Jesus is probably addressing both the disciples to whom he had given the ability to cast out demons, but now they had despaired of that ability. And he's also addressing the teachers of the law who were were looking for reasons to criticize Jesus. See how helpless your disciples are. So again, verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. When the spirit, this demon, saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus, like a good physician, 
asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered, it has thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Just imagine how difficult this father's life had been. He, had, he must have had to keep a constant watch on his son. Because this demon was, was one time trying to drown his son and another time trying to burn him to death. And now this father's confidence has been shaken by the disciples' inability to help. They couldn't help. Maybe Jesus can't help either, he must be thinking. So this father says to Jesus, if you can. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Professor Deutschlander points out in his commentary that this is one of those passages that people love to rip out of context. All you have to do is really believe and you will be healed. Or all you have to do is really believe and you will get rich. Or your problems will all go away. But of course, that's not what Jesus is saying. You remember how he just told his disciples that following him would mean taking up a cross, would mean suffering? No, the Bible does not teach that if we believe hard enough, all our problems will go away. Well, then what is the everything that is possible for the one who believes? It is this, that Jesus is willing and able to help us in the way that is best for us. Everything that God promises us in his word is possible for us who believe. And if we don't believe the promises, then we don't receive the benefit of those promises. It seems impossible that God should love wretched sinners like us. It seems impossible that he should give his own life as the ransom price for ours. That he should throw open the gates of heaven for us. But all of this, everything is possible for the one who believes. The one who does not believe it does not receive it as his own. This man is on the brink of despair. But still, he cries out for Jesus to help him, to have pity on him. Verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We know that when we go through difficult circumstances, like this poor father was, we know that Jesus wants to help us. We know he will help us, either by the removal of the problem in his good and wise timing, or by strengthening us to endure the problem. He will do whichever is best for our ultimate good. But sometimes, like this father, when we go through the hardships and God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers, there's a conflict inside of us. We may even start to think that God is allowing these things to happen because of our sins, that he is somehow punishing us. Jesus, we know your promises. We know your word, but the doubts come. We battle unbelief. And so with this Father, we too plead, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. There was already a crowd present. 
Now more we're being attracted by the scene. Jesus' intention is not to draw a lot of attention to himself, but rather to instruct his disciples. So before the crowd gets even larger, he hurries to do what he's decided to do. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And the boy stood up. Once again, we see Jesus' compassion, his tenderness on display. The boy looked dead, but Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him up. Verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. The disciples had driven out demons before. Why not now, they wonder. Jesus says some demons are more powerful than others. When they failed at first, they should have prayed. They should have realized the power was not in them, but was in God, and they should have asked for his help. They still had much to learn. What was true of casting out demons is true also of the things Jesus asks us to do. When those things seem difficult, then we are reminded that the strength to to do God's will comes not from within us, but from Him. And we approach Him in prayer. Verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. For the second time in Mark's account, Jesus clearly teaches what is about to happen to him. But the use of the word began at the end of chapter 8, the first time in Mark's account, Jesus brings this up. And the verb tense here, was teaching, indicates that this was an ongoing teaching. Jesus continued to make known to them the heart of God, a heart of love revealed in all that he, Jesus, was about to accomplish for them, for us. Jesus does add a new detail. Someone will betray him. Someone close to him is going to hand him over to his enemies. No wonder they didn't want to ask him about it. Instead, they went on to argue about which of them was the greatest. But that is next week, where we'll pick it up at verse 33 of this chapter 9. Please join us then. In the meantime, if you find these podcasts helpful or if you have suggestions for improvements, send me an email, pastor underscore line westra at beautiful-savior.com or text me 513-600-9568.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.